Will you uh, join me in a prayer right now? God, thanks that that's the message we get to celebrate today at Easter. That you've done it. You've done it all for us. You've made a way for us. And so we open our hearts to you. We want to hear from you. And ultimately, we want to be changed and transformed by you. So we pray this all in your mighty name. Amen. Man, you can go ahead and grab a seat. Well, good morning to you this Easter. Happy Easter. That's, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That I would say that and you, okay, let me try that again. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. There we go. Boy, I can't, leave, can't start that way. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and we're so glad that you joined us uh, here this morning to celebrate Easter. I mean, this really is the central Sunday in the life of the church. This is the kind of central Sunday, honestly, in the Christian faith. It's one of, I believe, the best Sundays, the best days to actually begin a relationship with Jesus, to enter into a relationship with Jesus on Easter Sunday. And in a little bit in the message, I'm going to kind of explain to you how you can do that, how you can actually begin a relationship with him this Easter Sunday. It is such a beautiful time of year, especially for those of us in Chicago who have suffered through winter. And so we believe that flowers are going to bloom one day, eventually, can I get an amen on flowers blooming? We just got to get rid of that gray, icy, snowy piles that are still left. We love this time of year. I mean, everyone's kind of got their beautiful Easter outfits on upstairs The Soul City Kids. There's a lot of bonnets out. Hipsters have their bow ties out. Like, it is a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. We love this time of year. We love, honestly, some of the traditions around Easter Sunday, maybe that you'll participate in today. You know, in in a little bit, when we're done here, we're going to head out to my mother-in-law's house, and the whole family's going to gather together around for our Easter Sunday meal. It's a great time for us as a family. A lot of traditions around that. One of those, uh, this beautiful, beautiful meal uh, that she has out every year that I've been a part of the family is the lamb butter. Does anyone have lamb butter? At first, it sounds like it's butter made from lambs. It's not. It's butter in the shape of a lamb. Every Easter Sunday, it gets put out. It's really, really, really cute until someone has to start slicing it up. And I won't tell you which end I start with. It's a, it's a tradition that we love. We love this time of year. We love spring. We love Easter especially. And for all that is cute and, and, and beautiful about Easter, there's something very interesting and odd even about Easter. This beautiful holiday is actually rooted in and directly connected to a death. Easter is a holiday full of life that starts with death. A celebration that starts from what seems like a colossal failure. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about the reality of what we celebrate at Easter. The reality is we we would have nothing to, to actually celebrate today had it not been for the death of Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world. That's the story that we celebrate at Easter. It's a comeback story of Jesus. The story how Jesus literally came back from the dead, from the grave, was raised by the power of God back to life, and didn't only just come back, but overcame sin and death in the process. We have much to celebrate this Easter, but our celebration starts, oddly enough, with death with loss. Everyone loves a good comeback story. We love a good comeback story. Every single one of us, everyone breathing in this room, 
loves a good comeback story. Everyone loves a character who sort of against all odds, up against the ropes, overcomes and prevails. It's the essence of, honestly, every great story, every movie that you love. No one is ever moved by the story of someone who lives in relative comfort their whole life and has win after win after win. We see a story like that, and we don't believe it, do we? (laughs) Stories that we love are about comebacks, people overcoming great odds, from Rocky to Ralphie to whoever it may be, (laughs) to D-Rose. We love and need a comeback story to the Cubbies. Not every story is a comeback story, friends. Just had to bring some reality to the room. This is why people go nuts this time of year for March Madness, because people love the comeback stories. They love the the underdogs, the upsets. I mean, people get fascinated by the story of uh, Florida Gulf Coast University. If you guys follow that story. This is a university, 15th seed, making it all the way to Sweet 16. This doesn't happen. They weren't a college 15 years ago. And now everyone's talking about them until, of course, they got destroyed by Florida. But the point is, we love a comeback story. We love a great comeback. In fact, this year, I wanted to put this theory to the test, knowing that we'd be talking about this for Easter. So when we came, our staff did brackets, March Madness brackets. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go for the underdogs. I'm going to pick intentionally every team that is totally, like, hasn't have a, doesn't have a shot, doesn't have a chance. I want to pick them, and let's just see what happens. And I want to let you know, this is a powerful concept for life and sermons. Not for brackets, friends. <laughs> Not for brackets. It didn't work out like I thought it would. I was going to have a great opening story. Not so much. And the only thing worse than me being in last place in our staff bracket is that my wife is in first. <laughs> not a good thing. We love a comeback story. I got to sit across from a comeback story just a couple weeks ago. A friend of mine that I've known for years. I knew him before he met his wife, and in fact, Gene and I did their wedding, performed their wedding, beautiful wedding. He married an amazing woman, beautiful, godly woman, gifted, and they had a great start to a great marriage. And then about five years in, he blew it all up. The choices that he had made and kind of some patterns and habits in his life, he destroyed their marriage. And in the process of doing so, he actually destroyed his career. It affected his career. He was on the rise, on the rise, on the rise, and this blow up of his marriage blew up his career. And in the process of that happening, he was so kind of lost in his own story that it even blew up our friendship, our relationship. He just turned his back on me as a friend. And so I looked at this guy and said, there's no hope. There's no way he could ever come back. Outside of the hand of God, there's no way. And then just two weeks ago, I'm sitting across the table from him. We're sharing a meal together. Through laughter and through tears, I'm looking at a man who is a comeback story in the making. He literally, by the power and grace of God, and through a lot of the last four years of hard work, God has restored their marriage, literally, and given them a whole new marriage, a whole new relationship. God kind of turned around his career path and has him now in a work that is so much more satisfying and fulfilling to him. And you know what's beautiful? As we sat across the table, we watched in real time as our relationship came back and God began to restore our friendship. And in laughter and in tears, we looked at each other and could literally say, only God, 
Only God could write this kind of comeback story. We love a great comeback story. And you may be in the middle of one yourself right now. You know, the kind of the author, the guy that kind of wrote the handbook for screenwriting and how to tell great stories is a guy named Robert McKee. And in his book called Story, where it just kind of breaks down how to tell a great story, he he writes these words. And many, many writers, many of the great films that you love are built around this premise that he breaks down. He says the essence of every great story comes down to a character who desperately wants something and overcomes great odds and obstacles to get it. Say that again. The essence of every great story, the stories that you love, the comeback stories, the stories in your life, are about people who want something desperately and are willing to fight for it, are willing to go all the way for it, are willing to overcome great odds and great obstacles to get it. Friends, this is the story of God. This is the story of the Bible. A God who who desperately longs for you to be alive, to be free, who longs for you to have relationship with him, and is willing to overcome every odd and every obstacle that stands in the way. This is the story of the Bible. This is the story of Easter, the story of the the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It is an overcoming kind of story. In fact, from the very beginning of Jesus's life, we can see this. This is what the Bible speaks to. This is what thousands of people were eyewitnesses to that there really was a God, really truly was a God who came to be with us, to live among us as one of us, to give all he had to us, and ultimately to die for us. This is the story of Jesus. The one who created this world actually submitted to the limitations of humanity so that he could be with us and give his life for us. From the very beginning of his story, there were great odds and obstacles against him. Born into obscurity to an unwed teenage mother, this is our Savior. In a town that no one really had ever heard of. And from the very beginning, so fearful were the rulers of his day that this Jesus might actually be who all the prophecies said he was, that the king at that time ordered that all Jewish boys under the age of two be killed just to cover his bets. The odds were greatly against Jesus from his birth. Jesus grows up in relative obscurity until the very end of his life when he begins his public ministry. And from the day he begins his public ministry, all of the odds are against him. Not just worldly, but literally the forces of hell are working against him doing what he came to do for you and for me. Jesus, his teaching, his work, caught the attention of the most unsuspecting folks. From, from, from dropouts to, to druggies, from con men to, to call girls, blue-collar workers to those beat up by religion, he had their attention. They became followers of him. They wanted the life that he had. But he didn't just get their attention. If you know the story is found in the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the story that there was another force conspiring against Jesus at all times, at every turn. Those were the religious elite, the the power brokers of Jesus' day. They saw him as nothing less than a threat. And so from very early on, they set out to shut him up or to shut him down. And so they conspired against him. They did not like 
what he taught. His teachings took a sledgehammer to the foundation of the control that they thought they had. This Jesus did everything wrong in their eyes. He healed all the wrong people at all the wrong times. This Jesus had this little thing that he kept doing where he claimed to be the son of God. They didn't like that very much. In fact, it threatened them so much that they called for his death. Jesus himself faced and fought odds and obstacles that are greater than anything we could possibly imagine at every turn, at every corner. And then it happens. The seemingly unthinkable actually happens. Just as, as Jesus is on the, the rise, as hope itself is, is on the rise, our hero dies. This was not the story that his followers thought they were getting. Everything was supposed to be on the up and up and up, and then our hero dies, and hope seemingly dies with him and is buried in a borrowed tomb. This is the death that, that Easter celebrates. But there's one key distinction in, in the story of Jesus that we have to pay attention to this Easter if we're going to understand what we really celebrate at Easter. One key distinction is that Jesus wasn't killed by, wasn't killed by these dark forces that conspired against him. He actually gave his life for them and for you and for me. He wasn't killed by anyone. He gave his life for you and for me. See, these are the odds and obstacles that God worked through, our sin that separated us, that kept us at a distance. Jesus made a way because he so desperately desired relationship with you and with me. This was the plan all along. He, he would actually die so that we could live. He would give his life for ours. This is the message of Easter. He would pay the price for the weight of our sin. The totality of our depravity would be covered by him so that we wouldn't have to cover that. We couldn't ever actually cover that. He wouldn't just die. Listen, he wouldn't just die. He would actually defeat death once and for all for every one of us. This is the story of Easter. This is the death that leads to life. And so on Friday, Jesus dies. The Son of God, the Son of God dies. And with him, for all his followers, seemingly hope dies as well. So we don't, they didn't have the, the luxury of, of history that you and I have, where we can kind of see things in perspective. Everything that they had built their life on and built their hopes on seemingly was dead and gone in the death of Jesus. And then, if that wasn't enough, there's Saturday. There's Saturday where Jesus is buried in a tomb and stays dead. Where Jesus doesn't move. This silence that his followers first faced was a deafening silence. They so desperately wanted their hero to rise on their own terms and on Saturday, he didn't. He didn't. And we all know, we've all tasted, we've all felt that silence before, haven't we? 
where you have cried out to God, where you've desperately desired God to move, where you have wanted God to do something for you, to heal something, to, to, to end something, to start something for you. And for whatever reason, we can't understand. He, he doesn't. We've all heard that silence that his followers faced. But then there's Sunday, which is what we've come here to celebrate today. See, on Sunday... It all happens. On Sunday is the comeback. On Sunday, our Savior rises. Raised by the power of God from the dead, and with him, hope rises. Freedom rises. Salvation rises. Life literally rises from death as Jesus is raised by God from the dead. And in that one miraculous act, the resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate every Easter Sunday, the score of our sin is settled with God. The, the God who actually created life from nothing would defeat death for everyone, for everyone, you and for me, against all odds, against death itself. God prevails. God prevails what you see, the, the, the beauty of Easter, the difference in this story that makes all the difference isn't just that Jesus comes back. That would be one thing. That would be enough. It's not just that he comes back. What we have to celebrate, in fact, the foundation we build our faith on is that he overcame as well. He didn't just come back. He overcame. He overcame Every sin that you and I could ever, would ever commit. Every sin throughout all of human history, he overcame it. He overcame death itself. So much so now that there is literally, the Bible teaches us there's no separation, no more separation between us and God. In fact, the Bible says there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And I know when I say that, you can cognitively nod your head to that, but every one of us has a list of reasons why God shouldn't mess with us why God shouldn't dirty his hands with us, why God would have nothing to do with us. I've done too much. I've messed up too much. I've gone too far. I've broken too many promises. I've hurt too many people. I'm worthless. I've worked really hard and it doesn't seem to add up to much at all. Why would God have anything to do with me? Friends, the power of the Easter story is that Jesus overcame that. Every fear, every ounce of resistance, every part of you right now that says, not me, not me, not me, yes, you. He overcame. That's what God did through the resurrection at Easter. And what's beautiful about the Easter story is it's not just that Jesus came back. That would be enough. It's not even just that he overcame everything that would keep us from God. You know, the beauty and the power of Easter is, is that he came for you and me. This is where it gets personal. It's not just sort of the broad strokes of something we nod our head to. This is where it gets personal. He came for you. He came for me. He came for every single one of us who could not do it on our own. He came for every, every single one of us who ourselves are buried in our own little tombs. We all have them. If we were to be really, really honest, we would admit we all have our own little tombs. 
some of us have multiple, some of us have like whole plots that we have laid out of all the little places in our life that aren't really truly alive. Places where we're stuck. Places where, if we were to be really honest, we're not alive. We're dead. For some of us, we are buried. You are literally buried in your past. You are so convinced that the things that you've done in the past or the things that were done to you will define and determine your future. And you're buried there. And you cannot move forward. You're buried in those sins, those choices, those regrets. You cannot by your own get past them, no matter how hard you try. You're buried by them. Even as I say it, you have a list that pops up in your mind. Well, yeah, there's that and there's that. What would God ever want to do with me with all of that? Some of us are buried in our own anger. You're buried in anger that's rooted ultimately in fear, the fear that you're out of control. You're buried in your own little tomb of anger, and you may kind of write it off, well, no, I just have a little temper. That's what you need to drive in Chicago. You got to have that edge, and it's their fault, and that's cool. That's fine. I get it. If we were to be real, real honest, though, some of us are buried in the tomb of anger, and it comes out, and when it does, we lash out. We slash others down. All of our cynicism and sarcasm comes from a place of fear that we're buried in, our own anger, our own hurt. Some of us are, are buried in all of our efforts and intentions to be good. You, you've actually tried to be good. You've done the best you can to be good. You've tried really hard to be a good Christian or a good Catholic or a good person, whatever it is. You've worked hard. You show up. You do the thing even though you don't understand what it means. You show up because you're supposed to do it, and you got married that way, or you did this with your kid that way. You've tried to hit all the marks and be a good person, and if you were to be really honest, at the end of all your efforts to be a good person, you are more exhausted than you are alive. I don't think that's what God gave his life for. I don't think that's why Jesus didn't stay on the cross, but was raised by God from the dead so that you could stay stuck in your own good efforts. Some of us are buried, and we just keep adding more on and adding more on, and it doesn't add up to life. Some of us are buried in our own little addictions, our secret habits, the things that we think we have under control or at least kind of out of everyone's sight. And you'd hate to admit it, but it has occupied more of your mind, more of your time, and more of your soul than you'd ever, ever want to admit publicly. And you've tried really hard on your own. You've tried to move on. You've tried to move past. You've tried to do it on your own strength. And it feels like literally you're just pulling more dirt in, doesn't it? You just can't seem to get out on your own. You're buried in that addiction. You're buried in that habit. You're buried in that pattern. And your life keeps going on repeat. It's not what God gave his life for. It's for that kind of life. I'm not sure what your tomb is that you're buried in. But every single one of us, the Bible tells us every single one of us is buried in our own sin. Every one of us would have to admit if we were to examine our lives that there are things that we've done Regrets that we have, choices that we've made, the Bible would call that sin that keeps every single one of us buried and at a distance from God. Every one of us. No one in human history has ever been able to dig themselves out on their own. All of us, all of us desperately need a God to step in just as he has. This is our 
story. Amazingly enough, this too is the Easter story. You and I have more odds and obstacles against us than we could imagine. Because ultimately we have our sin between us and God. That is what separates us from a relationship with God. And while every one of us would admit that we love a comeback story, we love a great comeback story, we cheer for great comeback stories, if we were to be really honest, none of us loves being at the bottom of a comeback story. None of us likes to admit that we're at the end of our rope. You know what the powerful truth this Easter is for you? The bottom may just be the beginning of your comeback story. And the sooner that you and I could admit that we need a Savior, the sooner our life actually begins. You know, for any one of us to have our own comeback story that I think God has created every one of us for, you gotta do two key things. This is at the heart of Easter. Two key things that I wanna lead you through doing today in a little bit. First thing you gotta do is you gotta, you gotta admit that you're actually not truly alive. You gotta start there and say, you know what? I, I can try and pretend, but I'll, I gotta admit, I'm at the bottom. I'm at the bottom. I need help. I need a savior. I can't do it on my own. I admit I'm not truly alive. And I start there by being honest with myself and God. I admit, God, I'm not truly alive. I know it. I know it in my soul, and I want it. And the second thing you do is you ask God to literally raise you to life. You can't do it on your own. He already did it for you. So you wouldn't have to. You couldn't do it anyway. So you admit, I'm at the bottom, I'm not really alive, and then you ask God, would you bring me to life? Would you literally raise me to life? Would you do for me what you did for Jesus? Would you literally raise me from the little tomb that I've buried myself in to life with you, new life with you, true life with you, the life you actually created for me to live? This is the story that God wants to write for you this Easter. That can start today. I saw a beautiful picture of it last week. A buddy of mine that I've known for a couple years, just recently actually, just a few months back, was able to admit he was at the bottom. Good guy, great guy, everybody loves him, but the truth is he knew he had tried hard his whole life, tried to put on a good appearance, tried to make it all work, tried it on his own rules, his own terms, none of it worked. And so he was able to admit, ah, God, I'm at the bottom, I need... I want to be alive. And back in our prayer hall here at the church, I got to pray with him as he asked, God, would you bring me to life? Would you bring me to life? And what's so beautiful is this last week we got to celebrate his birthday. And so we were out to dinner. A whole bunch of us were out to dinner together here in the city. And what's so great is at the table, half the table was filled with folks who knew him in his old life. And I've known him for many, many years, great friends, loyal friends that have been with him since kindergarten. And then also the other half of the table was a bunch of folks that he'd met here through Soul City Church that were part of this new life that God had brought him into. And it was a fun meal. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with you, they had some stories on him. And they had really fun and colorful words to describe those stories. Words I can't share with you on Easter Sunday in church. And as we all sat together at the table, I thought, God, this is it. This is a comeback story in the making. This is a guy who was able to admit, pushing through his pride, pushing through years of resistance and reluctance, I admit, I need you. I want to be brought to life. 
and ask God to do just that. And I'm watching it happen in real time in his life. This can be your story too. This can be your story too today. In fact, I want to give every one of us an opportunity to consider what that would look like for us. I'm going to invite the rest of the band to come up. We're going to have a moment of reflection here in a second. And as we do, I really want you to consider what you would have your story be this Easter. Is it going to continue to be a story where you try and muscle through on your own and keep trying to do it by your own strength, your own thoughts, your own ideas, your own wisdom, your own power? Or will you this Easter finally admit, God, I desperately need you. I desperately need you. And I'm asking you to raise me to life. I'm asking you to do for me what you did for Jesus. Do a miracle in me this Easter. Will you raise me to life? You know, for some of you, you may have never, ever said those words before, never even considered the lengths to which God would go to get what he so desperately desires, which is a relationship with you. And you hear that and you say, if that's what God would do for me, if he would spare no expense, if he would defeat everything, overcome everything that was against us, that he would come for me, then I choose him. And in a minute, I'm going to give you a prayer that we're going to pray. A prayer that I prayed when I was seven years old, a prayer that my friend Joey prayed just a couple months ago. A prayer that leads to life. And for some of you, it's the first time you've ever prayed it. For others, though, maybe as a child, you prayed this prayer. Or your parents prayed this over you and you tried really hard and you made it to like 13 or 14 years old and then that's it. You kind of dieseled out. And it's been a long time since you've even considered what it would look like for you to have a relationship with the living God. Not to play religion or hit all the marks, but to have a relationship with him that marks your life and changes you from the inside out. Transforms you by his power and his love. And that may have been something you wanted to do as a kid, but you've forgotten as life has gone on. And today is the day. Today is the day for you to say, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to be raised to life with him, by him. I can't think of a better day than Easter for you to begin a relationship with Jesus, to do what your heart so longs for you to do, to be free, to be alive. Will you rise this Easter? Will you allow God to raise you from the life that you're in and lead you into the life that he has for you? I want you to take a minute and just let this song kind of pour over you. I want you to think about your life, your story. Everyone loves a comeback story. Could today be the day that your comeback story begins? Could today be the day that you rise into life in a relationship with Jesus? I want you to think about that for a second. Then in a minute, I'm going to pray for you and we'll continue on. Listen to these words. Calls my 
And so here's the deal. Here's what Easter's all about. This is what it all comes down to. Will you rise? Will you stand and say, I want that life. I trade in the life that I've had, the life where I've tried on my own. I trade it all in. I admit I can't do it on my own, and I'm asking you, God, to step in and give me life. I'm going to ask you if that's you right now. You're ready. You know it. You've been maybe walking around and kicking the tires of this thing for a while. It's time. It's time that you have a day where you say, I'm in. I'm in. I want my comeback story to begin. And it starts with Jesus. And it starts this Easter. If that's you, I want you to literally rise to your feet right now. You stand up right now if that's you, right where you're at. Stand up. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready for it to begin. And I know you're freaked out about standing up in front of people. It's about 16 inches higher than where you're sitting right now. So I'm going to ask you, if that's you, stand up right now. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I want to come back to Jesus and have a very real relationship with him. Stand right now to your feet. I'm not doing this out of pressure. I'm not doing this out of guilt. This is freedom, friends. This is life that God created you for. You can't keep doing it on your own terms. You can't keep doing it by yourself. Religion by itself will never get you there. God has overcome. God has come for you to fully have a relationship with him. So I'm going to say it one more time because I know there's some folks who want this and are yet to stand. Will you stand to your feet and rise into relationship with Jesus? Begin a new relationship with him today. No more playing the game. No more kicking the tires. It starts today. I want to start a relationship with Jesus today. That's a powerful, powerful thing. And I want to pray that prayer that I prayed as a kid that my friend Joey just prayed. I want to pray it with you. I'm going to say the words and I want you to pray them back in your own words. And I'm going to pray over you. And we're going to celebrate what God is doing here this Easter Sunday. Let's pray together right now. You pray these words in your own words. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior of the world, I choose you as my Savior. I'm tired and beat up from doing it on my own. All my sin is before me. But I believe you've made a way for me. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for overcoming my sin and death. I admit that I'm helpless without you. And I'm asking you to now give me real life, true life with you. A real relationship with you starting right now. I believe that you have already entered into my heart and are already bringing me to life even in this moment. And God, I pray for every single person who stood this Easter, that marked this Easter as the day that they enter into relationship with you. And God, I know there's folks who want this and were afraid to stand. Would you give them the courage to stand even still, Lord, to step into a relationship with you? You held nothing back from us. We don't want to hold anything back from you. And so we come to you. We rise into the life that you've made possible and available to us through Jesus. And we thank you for it. And we choose to celebrate it now. And I'm going to ask that everyone in this room would stand right now. We're going to sing together about the way that's been made available to us through Jesus Christ.